Hello and welcome to week five of the Line of Scrimmage podcast presented by Tomahawk Nation. My name is Tim Allenball. Over the next 15 to 20 minutes, we're going to line it up with a member of the media from FSU's next opponent. FSU is currently an undefeated 4-0 after an overtime thriller, uh, thrilling win over Clemson. Uh, and now they're going to take a break with a much-needed bye week. So we're not going to bring on an opposing member of the bye week uh, while the Seminoles are resting, we're going to take some time of our own and look inward as well. Uh, some self-evaluation of Florida State. And to help us do that, uh, we have our very own Tomahawk Nation author, contributor, Whiteboard Wednesday extraordinaire. We have John Marchant. John, how are you, buddy? I'm good, Tim. Thanks for having me on. Man, it's been a while. We used to uh, we used to record back in the uh, Seminole rap days, uh, which you're still on. Yeah. Uh, and uh, you guys are crushing it over there. So it's, it's good to be back and hanging out with you again. So, John, let's jump right into this Florida State season. Uh, it, it's been perfect in a lot of ways because they are a perfect 4-0. But it, it's probably been far from a perfect season, uh, which we'll kind of get to through the, uh, the, 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 the interview here. But let's talk about the success that the team has achieved. What do you think are the factors that has made Florida State successful on the field allow them to be a top five undefeated team headed into their bye week? Uh, that's a great question. So, I mean, first thing first, anytime you talk about rankings, you got to talk about, you know, where you start. And a lot of that has to do with what you did last season. So I think obviously the 10 win season catapulted them. the media, uh, obviously, you know, recognize that, that success that the, uh, the 2022 team had. And they gave them a really high start, right? So, and then for this particular season, there's a lot of factors. I think, I think transfers, right? Mike Norvell, again, continue, we, we have this discussion every year and it's crazy that Mike Norvell, I keep saying it's not sustainable, it's not sustainable. You can't keep getting these guys. And yet he keeps getting these guys. Uh, so, you know, and then obviously the player development, right? So it, all of that together, I mean, this is a good squad. I, I don't think they're as good as the 2013 national title winning Florida State team, but they are they are really good. Um, and and I think the culture that Novell has built, and, and a lot of it has to do with how he, you know, the scheme of his offense and what he demands from his players and that physicality, I think has also gone an incredibly long way toward this 4-0 start. There's so many things I kind of want to jump on there. Uh, last <laughs> last week we were talking to uh, Clemson's beat with uh, Ryan Cantor over at uh, uh, Shaking the Southland, mm -hmm. and he was talking about the transfers, and he's like, it's not sustainable, right? Yeah. And I'm the same with you. I'm like, no, it's not sustainable. It can't <laughs> be. But, you know, Norvell continues to prove us wrong there. But I really want to grab onto the culture, as you said. Um I, I had the opportunity last year to be at the Louisville game, and I've kind of mentioned this in, in some of the other podcasts. Uh, and I got to go and hear uh, the the coach interview after the podcast or after the game with where Tate led them to the victory. And man, it's it's all about culture. It really is. Mm -hmm. And Norvell said that he goes, "This team is not for everyone, and it's not." And, and but the guys that are there, they want to be there. They want to win. Uh, and, and I feel like you, you look back at the Taggart days or even that first year of Norvell and the team unity now compared to then, right. it's, I mean, this team, this team goes to, goes to war for each other and they have each other's back for sure. Yeah. He definitely emphasizes that and everything from, from, like I said, the scheme itself where, 
we all know that Norvell's bread and butter plays the counter run game, right? But if you just think about what it is, I mean, you're you're pulling linemen, you're pulling H backs, you know, you're trying to 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 mess with the eye discipline of a defense, but you also want to be physical, right, at the point of attack. And I will get into the run game a little bit later, but he demands that, right? And and, and the whole point of of breaking the rock after the game, it's just that physicality that that um, you know, being being strong, being uh, aggressive, right? When, you, when you're playing things like that, I think they took it on. I, I thought that was a big part of the win against LSU is they were just a much more physical team than LSU. And, and uh, that's – I think it's incredible. I think he's used that kind of to bring this team together around an identity. And I think I think that's what's special. And, um, you know, it took a couple of seasons, right? Things like that take time. Uh, but it looks like he's got the best team he's ever had. And, you know, let's start on offense. I, I, I think, you know, you could argue that the identity is Jordan Travis. Uh, but I really want to talk about the receivers first because to me, Keon Coleman, Johnny Wilson, they're the offensive identity. Those giant wide receivers, it's probably the first thing that, you know, everybody wants to talk about is the size difference, the size difference. So I think the wide receivers have been impressive. But at the same time, I almost think it's fair to say they've been limited. Johnny Wilson has 300 yards receiving Keon Coleman, 256 tight end slash kind of wide receiver. Jaheim Bell has 151, but then your next actual receiver is Winston Wright with 36 yards. What do you feel like has gone right so far in this wide receiver room and where can they improve or should they improve in your opinion? Um, That's a great question. So I guess I would say, I think what's gone right is Keon Coleman and Jaheim Bell are special guys. I, I think they're incredible. I mean, I mean, even if when you take in Johnny Wilson, he's six foot seven with an incredible wingspan. So the 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 catch radius he gives you is maybe the biggest I've ever seen. Right? You're talking maybe even bigger than Mike Evans in the NFL. Those those kinds of guys. So uh, all of them are kind of special in their in their own, own way. I think Keon Coleman is the second best receiver in the country. I think Jaheim, Jaheim Bell is. Very special what he gives you, kind of that jumbo flex, but, you know, like a wide receiver and a tight end's body kind of thing. And the movement ability he gives you at his size and at speed is is really special. Um, so that's what I think has gone right, right? He, they present, uh, present a lot of matchup problems for defenses, and they will continue to do that for the rest of the season. I think what's gone wrong, it's a lot of it. Some of it has to do with scheme play, I think. Some of it may have to do with, with Travis. Uh, it's... I don't. I don't think the wide receiver blocking is quite as good as as we've seen before. I will admit, though, to your point, that I'm a little surprised that guys like Winston Wright or Deuce Span uh, have not seen as much of the field as we thought they might work the middle of the field. And I again, that's the scheme issue I mentioned. Is I've written about it a couple of times on Tom Nation. Is I, I'm not sure that they're attacking the middle of the field the way that they can and the way that they should. And I think they're leaving lots of yards and even points on the field because of that. Yeah, I'm excited. I know you and I talked about that a little bit this past week. I, I know you're you're mm-hmm. talking about doing more there, but I wonder if that's really really a, a wide receiver thing. And one thing I'm curious about checking the film is: are those guys getting open there? And I think we've seen that they are. Or is that a Jordan Travis thing? And so let's talk about Jordan Travis. Jordan Travis Heisman hopeful has really kind of limped for lack of better words through these past few games, although it's not limping, it's an upper body injury. We know this is affecting his legs, but Travis does seem hesitant in other areas, such as the middle of the field. Do you think this is by design? Like the coaching is, is basically directing this 
Or is Jordan Travis got the freedom to make these decisions on his own and he's avoiding the middle of the field? I think a lot of it has to do with Travis. And I don't want to be too tough on him because the kid, he's really good, right? I just want to say mm-hmm. right off the top of the bat, he's really good. He's one of the best college quarterbacks in, in the country. I, uh, I I do think a lot of it is him. I don't put as much of it on the coaches. Uh, there are routes in that area of the field. FSU's just not attacking them. Uh, I, I think maybe the coaching could go a little bit further and kind of force Travis to throw into that area of the field some. But a lot of what's happening, right, is, you know, and I think Southern Miss did this too early in the season, maybe LSU, you, you know, you see teams or defenses play a lot of cover four. And with, again, Keon Coleman and Johnny Wilson, you're going to get a lot of one-on-one if you're having them, sending them down routes down the field, right? So if you have Keon Coleman or Johnny Wilson on one-on-one, the thinking is you're going to take that every time, Right. Because you, you're the thing is that that's not really 50-50 contested catch ball. With our right. guys, maybe it's more like 70-30. Yeah. The issues we're having is between Travis's inconsistent ball placement uh, and it, it hasn't been 70-30. I would argue it's not even really been 50-50 a lot of the time. I think a lot of time that that has not gone in FSU's favor, which is disappointing. And again, it's, it's due to a, a wide range of factors that we've kind of discussed. But that's one of the big issues I've seen. There are guys in the flat and in the middle of the field that are open. And I know the tra- the thing is, if you got a one on one, they're not they're not really covered. They're still open, and yet that just hasn't gone the way that we thought it would this season. Now, is it because we still maybe four games as a small sample size? I'd argue no. Some people, if they think that maybe that will turn around later in the season as we get deeper, that may be the case. Uh, but for me, I'd I'd like to see the coaches kind of f- almost like scheme wise force Travis to use that middle of the field. I think it'll open a big part of everything and for this offense. I, I was I was thinking about that this week. If if they could open up the middle of the field, not only does it help Coleman and, and Wilson on the on the back end, but I think what we're going to talk about next, I think it could potentially help out your running game as well because then those linebackers have to sit a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. Uh, but let, let's kind of do a combo question there. The running backs and offensive line, in my opinion, have really struggled outside of the LSU game. I, I even feel like it wasn't that pretty against Southern Miss, even though I don't think they were really going all that hard against Southern Miss. Um, there's certainly been flashes, but what do these two units need to do differently to find more success? Oh, this is another really good question. So, I've been really disappointed with their offensive line. Also, right, we we all we heard is they returned every starter, the most starts in the country. You know that that kind of experience and everything. You, uh, you know, you have Byers and Bless Harris and some other guys. You know, Casey Roddick in there. I just think they're just flat out not as good as they were last year, and that's that's a little disappointing. Uh, you know, they had the most explosive offense in the country last year. A lot of that was due to the running game. And I know by scheme wise, Norvell, you know, he's going to get, you're going to have a run like something like this, where it'll be stuff, stuff, five yard run, six yard run, stuff, stuff. And then you break a 50 yarder, right? That's a lot of how his offense typically tends to go. And we just haven't seen much of anything this season. It's been very disappointing. I think the way to fix it, maybe would to take this bye week, right? These, these two weeks before uh, your next game against Virginia tech and really try to play around with the personnel right? Try to find a combination that works. Maybe see if Robert Scott can get healthy and get him into the lineup. That kind of thing. I think when Darius Washington was in, they did a little bit better. So they just have to find the right combination of guys, I think. Um, And the cool thing is that you have talent now. This is the most talented line it's been in a while. Um, And 
you're just looking for that right combination. I think that that does. I know buyers struggled a lot against Clemson, but Clemson has a great defensive front. Uh, you know, I worry down the road about about you know Duke and things like that. Very very physical fo- football teams. Um, but that's where I think. And the other part about the running game too, I want to mention is going back to Travis. Right, I think we saw in the Clemson game, especially like you had said, Tim, that. He was very hesitant to run. I don't put that on the coaches. That's on him. There's a couple of plays, especially where he could have pulled the ball and taken five yards, right? I think we even talked in, in the Tommy Nation Slack group that we all kind of agreed that even if he just pulled the ball, even if you get four yards and then slide, right? Because you don't want to get hit. That would have been better than what we saw where he just keeps handing it off into you know, just a really crowded box. So okay. um, a lot of that's been, like I said, been disappointing. I don't. I think what we had expected this season was – you know, put defenses in a bind. Do I walk another defender up to against a run, right? And then you leave more one-on-ones for these receivers. And what we've seen is defenders don't have to do that in order to stop the run game. And that's, I think, also been hurting the pass game. Yeah, um, I, I think it was – it might have been Coach A.B. and the crew over there or somewhere else. I saw that they mentioned that Clemson could basically take their safety key on Travis and and they knew – because they knew he wasn't handing it off. So mm-hmm. he could stay, he could play still eight yards off the ball – and be in his regular position and, and not have to worry about, you know, the defensive end and have to, wouldn't have to pause or, you know, linebackers right. wouldn't have to or anything. So it was, it was definitely a crowded box. So I, I, I think we've kind of identified where we feel like the offense can improve, but also what they're doing. Right. Uh, so let's jump to the defensive side. And, and my absolutely favorite part of this team right now is the defensive line. Uh, I think, uh, your starting four are probably all NFL caliber guys. Jared Verse, we know. Um, Fabian Lovett is making money coming back. Brandon Fisk is is finally getting some love, and the guy <laughs> is just he is he's probably one of the most I don't want to say uh, most fun, but I don't know. Sure of that he he is so fun to watch on the film mm-hmm. review because that guy just never stops. And I absolutely love the play they got a penalty on where he ran back on the field with his helmet mm-hmm. on and absolutely uh, obliterated a defensive <laughs> lineman or an offensive lineman. Um, Patrick Payton is really starting to show flashes. I mean, he was key against Clemson. Uh, I, I think it's fair to say, and I really want your thoughts here. Is this the strength of the entire team? Absolutely. It is. And I, I agree with you. They're, they're easily my favorite part of, of this team. Also, they're just, they're so much fun. They wreak havoc. Uh, you could tell they like playing together, especially Fisk. You could tell how much he loves the game. Uh, his motor never stops. And I think they're at, they've been unbelievable. FSU would not be four uh, zero without them. And it's crazy that that you get a transfer from Western Michigan and Fisk, and you you think he just you know he might be some kind of contributor, and you hear out of camp, no, he's really good. And then right. the games actually start, and you're like, this kid is phenomenal. Completely changed the interior of FSU's defensive line. So he's been an absolute revelation. Uh, like you said, Patrick Payton, I've been most impressed because we knew he could turn the corner, right? He's got that kind of ability and 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 that explosiveness out of his stance. But I've been really impressed with his uh, edge defending against the run, right? That's really improved this season from, from the last couple of seasons. So that's been really impressive. Like you said, uh, Fabian Levitt's great. And then Verse. Verse is – I know people are going to harp on, oh, he doesn't have all the sack numbers and stuff. That kid – it's like, what is it? I think it was – um. Like another contributor, Tommy Nation said, he, you, he could not have played any better so far this season. Versus yeah. been absolutely unreal also. So uh, the sacks will come. I'm not worried about that. He's getting pressures. He's being elite against the run. This this is absolutely the strength of this team. They've been so much fun to watch. Yeah, Versus really setting that edge over on his side. And, mm-hmm. and 
it's crazy. I think it was Josh or somebody that talked about how great he was. Uh, but the Clemson game, like you said, the stats aren't there, but man, Verse was huge in that game. Yep. Um, he, he really was. So um, let's jump to the linebackers, the, the second line there. Kalen DeLoach and Tatum Bethune are, are, are a veteran group. They fly around the field. You know, uh, DeLoach had that monster play against Clemson. Um, I think this 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 unit plus Lundy so far they're they're pretty talented and and I think can even get better as the season go on goes on. But I think there's been some mistakes early on from this group. Do you put that on the linebackers more, or is it secondary communication, which we'll get to the secondary in a, in a second here? But where do you feel like this unit has struggled? Um. Wow. So. I don't even know where to start. Yeah, I feel like their play has been very consistent, right? You have like the Deloach play and some other great plays. And then you have somewhere I just don't know what they're doing. They're, you know, too aggressive against the run. So they, they're out of position, right? You know, they're getting sucked up by the play action a little bit. Uh, they they really struggled in coverage. They're pretty bad against Boston College. Uh, they did bounce back some against Clemson. So I, I think it's a lot of different factors. I think part of it is... Um, yeah, I do like Deloach. I like uh, Tatum Bethune, and I like Lundy. I think Lundy's player development has been unreal to see, right? Because he seemed like more of a 1980s two-down thumper kind of guy, and they turned him into right. a guy who can cover. He got that 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 interception. Uh, so they've done a really good job with those three. But, yeah, there's been some mistakes. I think some of it, again, is uh, maybe too aggressive in the run game. They get out of position. Um, there has been miscommunication with them in the secondary, not picking guys up and, and switching off. I think they do – a lot of man match, right? Not just straight man. And I think in those, they have to communicate in order to, to switch guys off, right? Who takes who and things like that and trade one guy off when they come into your zone and, and, and leave into someone else's. And they've not done that, right? So it's, it's left some open receivers that have turned to explosive plays. Uh, and then the last factor I want to mention is I think beyond those top three, they've decided to play, this team has decided to play some of the backups that maybe not quite ready. And they've made some huge mistakes that have have left uh, explosive plays in the Boston College game, especially, but also you know against Clemson. So there, there's definitely things to work on. Um, I, I'm not going to say that they haven't been good. They just I'd say they've been inconsistent. Yeah, I, I definitely saw that against Boston College, and especially when they had Boston College pinned deep. Um, mm-hmm. The thing that stuck out to me is exactly what you said. I they've been almost so overly aggressive in the run at times, and that's that's really killed them. Um, the secondary, you mentioned communication issues. I, I feel like the keen dense injury, and I've I've been somebody that hasn't always been the biggest of keen dent fan, but man, his his injury and the time he's missing has been massive back there. Um Shaheen Brown is stepping up at times, but really, what would you like to see happen going forward for the secondary? Uh yeah, that I think this is the key. Um Oh, man, what would I like to see? Better communication, right? Like you said, number one off the top of the bat. Uh, they've blown or busted a lot of coverages because they're not communicating about who's picking who up, right? So if you're running man match, everyone's got to be on the same page. And I, you can see them where you know they're they're trading guys off as they come in and out, the receivers as they come in and out of their zones, but they're just leaving guys wide open or, or say two guys will take the same receiver, right? Yeah. At least another receiver wide open. So that we saw that a couple of times against LSU, they, they busted coverages. So, uh, and, and then Boston college also, especially. So they, they the communication has got to get better. I think also it's a lot of, um, and we've discussed this a lot of Tom nation, because this is a big issue. 
I think some of it, I put a lot of it on Adam, Adam Fodol, the defensive coordinator, right? I, I think it's your job to make sure that guys communicate. I think it's your job to make sure um, that, like, like what was it against Clemson? A lot of the cornerbacks were giving, they're having outside leverage, right? So you're giving up the inside. And then because there's nobody in coverage there, all Clemson did was running the same slant play over and over and over. Very easy, very pitch and catch. It was very frustrating. So they need to, to the coordination, figure out what they want to do. Um, I think the corner play has overall been better than the safety play. Although, I, you know, I think maybe Fenchel Cypress hasn't been quite what we were hoping he would be coming in. But again, part of that, I think, is um, the design and coordination of the defense itself, right? I think when they chose late in the game against LSU and then late in the game against Clemson, to pressure more, blitz more, I think, and then bring the corners up a little bit more and press, I think they've done better, right? And the, the goal is always to contest catches. And I think FSU has not done that as well. And then for the secondaries, I think the secondary play sometimes suffers from the same issues with the linebackers, right? I think against Boston College especially, they played a lot of backups who maybe were not ready, made a lot of mistakes, weren't sure what they were doing out there. Um, and then I agree with you about Akeem Dent. I I mean, I think I think Dent's a good player. He's a solid player. Uh, I've been surprised at how much FSU has missed him. I think that injury has been a lot more significant than we all thought it would be. Um, and it's not to disparage uh, Kevin Knowles, I think, who's coming and replaced him. Knowles has played well at times. But then other times, it's just I mean, he's really – some mistakes he's made has really cost FSU. And and uh, I know he didn't play uh, particularly well in, in the Boston College game. But I'm not trying to pick at anyone in, 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 in particular. My point, though, is – I think there's a lot of room for improvement. I think it's some things that maybe the players could do better and some things that the coaching staff could do better. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we've seen, definitely seen the struggles from Knowles, like you talked about. I think Renardo is, is solid out there. Um, Cypress hasn't been as good, but, you know, he has his moments. But overall, I'm, I'm hoping that this is the area you see the most growth over the mm -hmm. second half of the season because I think if the secondary can get better, that defense suddenly becomes – I don't want to say elite, but, you know, right. they they really start to step up there. All right. Um, kind of last football-related question here. John, what are your thoughts on the rest of the season, how it plays out? Man, uh, I think it plays out very fun. <laughs> I'm going to go with fun. I, look, this is, this is a really good team. I think this bye week came at the exact right time for them to kind of figure some of these issues out. And, you know, you have faced your two toughest opponents. I think we've been a little bit surprised that, you know, the quarterback play in the ACC as a conference has come down, which helps FSU. Uh, but a lot of the remaining quarterbacks left on the schedule, like Garrett Schrader, Syracuse, or Riley Leonard at Duke, are playing extremely well this year, and they could present some some issues. Uh, but overall, you know, FSU's 4-0. I would expect them to finish no worse than 11-1. I think some of the number probabilities maybe even say that 12-0 is the most likely outcome at this point. So, like I said, this is a really good team. It's going to be a really fun season. I, I, if they can't get some of these issues fixed, I do think FSU will drop a game. Uh, but I, I obviously hope that doesn't happen. <laughs> well, I mean, 12-0, that's that's a playoff team. 11-1, we'd have to see what the rest of the, the landscape is going to do there. John, I really appreciate it. Last question here. Choose your own adventure question, John. Uh, I'm going to give you three subjects here. You tell me. Uh, which question you want a subject from? So, do you want a, a question from professional wrestling, uh, <laughs> TV streaming, or I'll even throw a softball of college football out there? Which uh, which which subject would you like it from? 
uh, I don't know anything about wrestling. So, uh, I, I mean, I love college football. We could oh, I'll talk about that all day. Uh, but let's go streaming, I guess, right? Yeah. So, uh, what are you watching, John? What's 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 in the uh, marching house currently? Oh, see, I picked the wrong one because I'm not watching anything oh, right now. John, John. <laughs> I got I got no shows right now. I, I'm I'm in between shows. Okay, well, we'll go to college football then. You're building your own college football team. It's like an expansion draft, and everybody's oh. on the table. College football right now, every player that's out there, who are you starting a team with uh, from the from the entire country? Man, oh, how are you going to ask me this? Um, <laughs> people are going to call me a traitor for this. I, I love the play right now. I mean, obviously, Caleb Williams is really, really good. I have been loving the play of Michael Penix of Washington. I think that oh, kid yeah. been balling out. He's really good. Um, man, I do like the Michigan's running back. What's his name? Uh, Blake. Uh, is it Cormus? I can't remember his last name. I can't remember how to say his name. He uh, he's. A, I love the way he runs. Uh, let's see who else. Uh, obviously Marvin Corum, Harrison. Corum, yeah, Corum, yeah. Thank you, Blake. Yeah, Corum. Yeah. Marvin Harrison Jr. is really good. Like I said, I think Keon Coleman is the second best receiver in the country after Marvin Harrison Jr. But Harrison Jr. is absolutely unreal, right? You got you only got one, John. You got to pick just one. Just oh, one. just one player? I thought I was going to do the whole team here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'll go with I'll go with Penix, man. He's been a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, uh, I don't want to tell people that Penix could have <laughs> been the quarterback at Florida State if Tiger would have done things differently. But yeah. John, man, I really appreciate you being <laughs> on here. Take a second, tell everybody where they can find you on the socials or uh, where you're uh, really showing out on Tomahawk Nation. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm on Twitter. Uh, I'm still going to call Twitter at Pupper State, P U P P E R S S T A T E. Um, also, Tom Ignatian, I, I like to write a lot of stuff. Uh, that's pretty much it. I'm not very active on Instagram or anything like that. Oh, no, uh, no, no food <laughs> pictures from, from John on Instagram or anything like no, that. No, no, I post everything to, to Twitter. I'd like, I do love smoking, right? I'll smoke chickens and, and ribs and things like that. I haven't done anything for football season yet, though, so I gotta step my game up. Well, John, also you do the whiteboard Wednesdays uh, when you have the mm-hmm. opportunity to Tomahawk Nation, which is a great breakdown. So, uh, John, thanks so much for being on here. Uh, we really appreciate your insight. Looking forward to the rest of this fun season with you <laughs> and the other guys here at Tomahawk Nation. So uh, to everybody listening, thanks for for jumping on. We really appreciate it. Check us all out at Tomahawk Nation. For John Marchant, I am Tim Allenball. This has been the Line of Scrimmage Podcast. Let's keep climbing.